Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. All right, well, good morning, Pathways. Good to be with y'all. Some of you are like, who in the world is this guy? My name is Jordan. I am a pastor down in the Chicagoland area, so you can feel bad for me already. And preached here this last summer, absolutely loved it, loved being here. Uh, Adam's become a good friend of mine, and so Adam called me a couple, couple weeks ago. He said, Jordan, uh, you want to come out and, and speak and, and close out this series we're doing called Paper Walls? I said, oh, Adam, absolutely. I'll be there, man. What, what? And I said, Adam, what do, you want me to, what do you want me to preach on? Adam said, Jordan... I want you to preach on being a failure. (laughs) I just want you to know, I've been trying very hard not to take that personally the last couple of weeks. Like Adam's like, failure, failure, failure. Jordan, okay, come on up. I am I'm excited though to to, to be here and and talk about the series Paper Walls. I just love the, I just love the idea of it. It's brilliant. Because all of us, we can relate to it. We, we have walls in our life that look just like this. Right, they're eight, eight feet high. You can't climb up them. You can't get around them. These are these obstacles, and they hold you back. And if there's one thing that we hate, come on, you know it. If there's one thing that you hate in life, you hate something that keeps you from moving forward, don't you? You hate that feeling of like, I can't keep going. There is a, you, you ever see, what's that movie, uh, Finding Nemo. I know I'm a very deep preacher. You'll see. Uh, there's this, what's the, the little blue fish? Dory. Right? You know, what does Dory say? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. I, I just found out this this last week that there, there's actually some species of sharks that if they don't keep swimming, they'll actually die. Do you know this? There's some sharks that if they don't keep moving forward, well, then the oxygen's not getting out of their gills and they die just because they stop. Our souls are similar. You and I were created to keep moving forward, to keep growing. You, ever, you know those moments, you've had them, where you just feel like you're in a slump? You wanna know why that is? It's probably because you're just staying stagnant, because you feel stuck, because there's something holding you back. Oh man, we hate that word, stuck, don't we? Stuck. Charles Spurgeon, he so once said, growth can be painful, change can be painful, but nothing is as painful as staying somewhere stuck somewhere you don't belong. Anyone feel stuck somewhere you don't belong? Stuck in an addiction? Right, you said you'd stop, you wanna stop, but there you go, you're watching it again, you're drinking it again, your temper blew up again. Maybe you feel stuck in a relationship, right, in this lifeless, sexless, unhappy marriage. You're like, oh, why'd I get married? Stuck in debt? Stuck in anxiety? Stuck feeling like you have no purpose? You're just kind of existing? Nothing is as painful as saying stuck somewhere you don't belong. That's why I love this series. The series is about busting through the walls that have kept you stuck for a long enough. And today, we're gonna to talk about the walls that hold you back more than anything else, your failures. 
If you have a Bible, grab it and turn it to Exodus chapter five. Exodus chapter five. We pray for his father. This time is all for you. I love that song, How Great Thou Art, because that's who you are. Great, greater than all of our, our flaws, greater than all of our failures, greater than all of our weaknesses. And we pray that you humbly come into this room and that you change our hearts, you encourage us, you heal us, you convict us where conviction's needed. And God, we move here, we don't leave here, it's the same. We pray that we leave here busting through some walls that are going to, to, to lead to some real life change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There he is, the most brutal dictator in the known world, currently overseeing the abuse and the oppression of millions and millions of Israelite slaves. There was no one that could tell him different. He's the king, he's the priest, he's the judge, he's the jury, and the executioner. There was not a man more powerful in the entire world. Who is he? It's Pharaoh, considered by himself in all of Egypt to be a god. There he sits in his mud brick palace on his ebony throne, listening to the grievances of his people. Next! Pharaoh shouts as Moses and Aaron walk in. What a strange day for Moses. I mean, he's walking through this palace and he runs his hand alongside the hallway and instantly he's getting flashbacks of himself playing in these halls as a kid. He's walking by faces that he hasn't seen since he left Egypt 40 years ago. Meanwhile, you know, a million questions had to be running through his mind. Hey, will anyone recognize me? Have they forgotten about the man I killed? Will Pharaoh even listen to me? Or is he just gonna kill me the moment he hears my request? Next! Pharaoh calls. Moses, he walks in, he's, he's pale as a ghost. He's wiping his hands on, on, on his robe. He takes a deep breath and he says, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. A silence hung in the air. However, the eyes of Pharaoh said it all. He was not amused. Pharaoh said in verse two, who's the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. Who's the Lord that I should obey him? That statement, that's not a statement of ignorance. Pharaoh's not saying, oh, the God of the Israelites, never heard of him. No, that's the only God that his servants worshiped. He's heard of him, he just doesn't care about him. The, the Egyptians in this time, they lived in this pluralistic society. They had 114 gods that they worshiped. So, so the, the Israelites worshiping a God, that, that wasn't a big deal, everyone did. The problem was that Moses and Aaron, they came in here and they thought that their God had some kind of authority over Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was like, uh, excuse me, Yahweh? Oh yeah, I've heard about Shur Yahweh. He's the God of my slaves, isn't he? Like, whoa, so powerful. Uh, Moses, no. You know what your problem is, Moses? I think your people are just lazy. They want a vacation. And so I deny your request, and now, instead, I'm going to double 
No, no, nay, triple your workload. How's that for your Yahweh? Moses and Aaron, they, they start walking out, probably turn to each other and they're like, well, that didn't go as planned, did it? They go back to their people. Moses, how'd it go? When are we leaving? Come on, bags are packed. Well, about that. No, Moses. Come on, you're the worst. You were supposed to ease our burden, not increase it. Let's, let's just call it what it is here. Moses failed. Big time, didn't he? The great Biblical hero Moses starts his journey to the promised land with an F, stuck. I know Moses isn't the only one who's ever failed in this room. In fact, here's the first point we have today. Point number one, you're a failure. How's that? Good morning, welcome to Pathways. Here's the best part of it. You can get mad at me all you want. I'm a guest preacher. I get... I get to punch you and then just go demigrate down to Chicago. Actually, it's funny. I gave my slides to the production guys and the production team was like, hey, Jordan, uh, you know that the words we put on the screen are usually the words that we want people to write down. I said, oh, I know. <laughs> write it down. You're a failure. I'm a failure. You know, in baseball, if you only hit the ball three out of 10 times, you're a superstar. If you think about it, if you miss seven out of 10 times, you're the guy getting paid $30 million. If you're in the NBA and you're a basketball player, if you only make 50% of your shots, you're Giannis the Greek freak. Even superstars fail. They just fail a little bit less. Ecclesiastes 7.20, write this verse down. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. That should be encouraging. Welcome to the failure club. We need to destigmatize failure. It's just a part of who we are. And especially in the church. It's funny because this is the one place we should be raising the failure flag higher than anyone else. And we're all scared to. Pathways, help me out here though. Isn't the message of the church that we're complete failures who have been saved, no thanks to any good work that we've ever done, but only thanks to the perfect work of someone else? That's why I love the gospel. It puts us all on the same level playing field. We're failures. Now, nonetheless, failing is still pretty hard. In fact, the, the, in Bible college, I was, I was working at a church they were preparing to be a pastor one day. And I remember the very first time they had me speak on stage. They said, Jordan, all we want you to do is we want you to come out stage and we want you to do the welcome. You just gotta say your name and then welcome to church. It's easy, right? So I get, this is my first time I get up there and it's a little run through. It's just me, the band, and the production team. And I get out there and I'm like, all right, Jordan, just run through the welcome really quick. Great. Hello, my name is Church. Jo Wait, hold on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me try one more time. I come back out. Okay. Hello, my name is Jordan Church. Welcome to, yeah. okay, this is going south. Let me try one more time. Hello, my name is Jordan. And it was just, it was so bad. I was like, okay, let me just go, let me go practice one more time. You wanna know what I did? I promise you, I went to the bathroom and I hid until church was completely over. They're like, where's Jordan? We're like, no one knows where he is. Guys, so if you think this is really bad, give me some grace. I started out hiding in a bathroom. 
Okay, just be glad I came out here. Guys, you wanna know how much of a failure I felt like at that moment? This is what I wanted to do with my life. More than that, this is what I thought God wanted me to do with my life. And I couldn't even do it. I thought it was supposed to be a paper wall. I thought that I was supposed to just walk up and just knock it out of the park because this is what God's called me to. You ever see those videos of like the peewee football teams trying to run through the paper banners? They had knocked down. That was me. That was me. And my guess is that's, that's some of you sometimes. Right? There are some things that God has called you to do and you know that you're failed. You know that you're failing. So moms in the room, if, God's call, if you're a mom, God's called you to be a mom. And I bet before you had your kids, you had this, this vision of what mom life would look like, didn't you? Your kids are sitting around the lunch table quietly. Their hair is slicked. They're eating an organic lunch. Thank you, mother, for this delicious whole wheat sandwich. <laughs> Fast forward to reality, it's the third lunch your kids are throwing goldfish down their throats, watching Blippi on repeat, and you're still in your pajamas. You're like, what is going on? I'm failing. This is a little side note, but if you uh, young parents or if you're pregnant, don't ever have your kids watch Blippi. It's just, it's, it's of the devil. Now, um, Maybe God's called you to be a small group leader and your small group's shrinking and you're like, well, this can't be right. Maybe he's called you to this new career and you're not meeting quota. He's called you to holiness, but, but in this specific area of your life, you just keep failing and you think, man, this is supposed to be a paper wall. That's what this whole series is about, right? You should be able to walk through these things. That was Moses. Watch what happens. Look at chapter six, verse 10. The Lord said to Moses again, go back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let the people of Israel leave his country. Verse 12, but Lord, but God, Moses objected. My own people won't listen to me anymore. They don't like me. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen to me? I'm such a clumsy speaker. Moses says our favorite excuse, right? But, but God, I already tried. Come on, how, how many times have you used that excuse? God, I've already tried to read through my Bible and then I get to Leviticus and I have no idea what's going on. God, I, I already tried giving up watching pornography. God, we already tried the marriage counseling. It's not working. God knows every excuse. He knows every shortcoming Moses has. And he still says, Moses, when I told you to walk through the wall, I wasn't joking. I meant it. Okay, point, point number one, you're a failure. Okay, I know that's discouraging, but here's the best part. Point number two, God only uses failures. The, the only people that God chooses and uses are failures. Do we need to look at the list? Well, look at the list, okay. No, Noah got drunk. Abraham lied. Moses killed someone. Rahab was a prostitute. King David had an affair. Jonah ran away from God. The disciples, woo, man, love those guys, but those were some hot messes, weren't they? Failures are the only kind of people that God uses. The difference between failures is that there are some failures who stay in one spot and there are some failures who fail forward. We gotta be a church that fails forward. Proverbs 24, 16, one of my all-time favorite verses. 
The godly may trip seven times. They may trip over and over and over and over, but they'll get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. In heaven, there's a mark that every single believer bears. You may know the mark because some of you are bearing the mark right now. And it's this mark of perseverance, persistence, resilience. It's this biblical characteristic that's able to say, okay, I see my current situation. I see my shortcomings. I see my excuses. I see my fears. I see my failures. But I also see past the wall and I see the author and the perfecter of my faith saying, get up, get up, try again. Let's go. I called you to it. I'm going to see you through it. I, if I told you to walk through the wall, I meant it. Get up again. Moses says, God, I tried. I tried. I'm stuck. God says, no, 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 you're not. Exodus 7. Turn to Exodus 7. We're going to be here the, the rest of our time. Exodus 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command of you. And your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of the land. Verse three is really interesting. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, remember how this whole showdown between God and Pharaoh started? Moses went to Pharaoh and said, hey, Pharaoh, let let God's people go. And, And Pharaoh says, no. Your your, your God is the God of my slaves. He's a weak God. He's not in charge of me. Which if you ask me, that's a pretty bold claim for a guy who wears mascara. But I'm just gonna throw that out there. What happens is God ends up going 10 rounds with Pharaoh, sending plague after plague after plague in order to eventually free the Israelites. A a common question people have though when they read this, if you you look at chapter seven, verse three, it says, God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. People say, well, that's not, oh, geez, that's not fair. How can God harden Pharaoh's heart and then still hold Pharaoh responsible? It's a great question. And here's here's the thing. There are people a whole lot smarter than me that have written books on this topic. So so I don't want to oversimplify this, but I'm going to show you just what's clear in the text right now. If If you look at each of Pharaoh's responses, you see in the first five plagues, in the seventh plague, You see Pharaoh hardened his own heart, but then you have plagues six, eight, nine, and 10, and God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Why? Again, a lot of different thoughts and ideas, but we're just gonna stick with what's clear. How many chances did God give Pharaoh to soften his heart and repent? How many? Five and the seventh. Six. Six out of 10 chances, God was telling Pharaoh, hey, Pharaoh, humble yourself I'm the true God, acknowledge my authority, trust me. You almost see the contrast between Pharaoh and Moses in this story. Because on one hand, you have Moses who's going on and on and on about his insufficiency. I can't do it, God, I'm a clumsy speaker. I'm not God. And then on the other hand, you have Pharaoh who thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, which I don't even know if they really had that back then. But if they did, Pharaoh would be like, I'm better than that, right? I mean, he just thought he was the stuff. And and the result is that God sends plagues to try to break down Pharaoh, but Moses embraces his weakness and God tries to lift him up. This is so important. So important when when you're trying to move forward from your failures is you have to embrace your weakness. 
embrace your weakness. We live in a culture that says that the way to move past your failures is not to embrace your weakness, but it's to deny it. Don't manifest weakness into your life. Don't speak that into existence. You're strong, you're amazing, you can do it. Don't you hear that? It's these little pump up speeches we give ourselves. When I was a youth pastor, I had this girl in my youth group and she struggled a lot with, with insecurity and her image. And so she would tell me, Jordan, every, every morning I start the morning by looking at myself in the mirror and I tell myself, you are beautiful. You, look at your eyes, gorgeous. You are strong, you are flawless, you are awesome. You're special, you can do this. The day is yours. Well, sounds motivating, doesn't it? But at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of words. It's a bunch of hype. You know, that, you know what that's called? It's called self-belief. Last time I checked, we're not supposed to have belief in self. We're supposed to have belief in God, aren't we? Self-esteem's a big thing. Self-esteem. Just reverse the words. What does that say? Esteem self. That's what our culture's all about. See, embracing your weakness, it means you look at yourself and you say, Whoo, wait, I can't do this. I'm not in control. I don't have all the answers. Like, I, I need help. And the world laughs and they say, man, that's weakness. But God looks at that and goes, no, no, no. That, that, my, my power is made perfect in that. Because that person knows that they need me. I encourage you, instead of, instead of getting up in the morning and trying to get yourself to believe that you're awesome, isn't it better to get up in the morning, hit, hit your knees to the floor and say, God, you're awesome. God, you're beautiful. Your ways are higher. Your ways are better. You're my rock. Isn't that better? Does it give you more confidence? When you come to the end of yourself, you come to the start of God. Moses said, God, I can't do it. And God said, okay, Moses, settle down. Moses, what do you have with you? What do I have? Yeah, what do you have? I got my brother Aaron. Great, okay, you know what? I'll send Aaron with you and he's gonna help you speak. What, what else do you got? He's like, man, I, I don't know. I guess I, I got, got this staff. Great, that's what I'll use. Exodus 4, 17, God told Moses, take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs that I've shown you. Isn't it crazy what God did through Moses and Aaron with, with this staff? I mean, he threw it on the ground. It became a snake. They turned the Nile into blood. They caused darkness to fall over the entire land. They split the sea in half and they did it with a stick. Pharaoh, he had all of the power in the known world. He had unlimited money, unlimited resources. He had fleets of soldiers at his command. And God had a stuttering man, his brother, and a stick. Why? Because God was showing the Israelites that a stick in the hand of God is greater than a sword in the hands of the mightiest warriors. This is all God needs, just a little. Po point number four, if you feel stuck in your failures, you, you gotta give God what you got. You gotta give God what you got. What do you got? 
Some of you have a wayward son that you've just made your heart breaks for them. Well, hey, what do you got? You know what you got? You got, you got love that you can continue to give to that child. And God says, great, I'm gonna use that. Maybe you have this terrible office culture and you're, and you're saying, man, I don't, how can I affect this? How, what do I have? You know what you have? You have even a little bit, you have a little bit of influence, don't you? And you can take that influence and you can, God can use that to change the, the atmosphere of your office. See, some of you, you're stuck in sin because you aren't using what you got. Moses had Aaron. And you wanna know you have? You have an amazing church community, don't you? How many of you are using, utilizing this, this community to the fullest? So many of you have sin, and yet you don't wanna bring it to the church. You don't wanna bring it to your small group. You just wanna hide with it rather than confessing, repenting, and moving forward. Maybe you have this struggling marriage. You wanna know what you got? I guarantee you have amazing marriages right here in this church. Use them. Go to them and say, hey, we're struggling. We need help. God uses what you got. Take whatever it is that you got, put it in the hands of God, and watch God split the sea for you. God uses what you got. All right, last point, last point of the day. We started off pretty rough. You're a failure. We're gonna end on a high note, okay? Best of all, God never fails. God never fails. You fail, I fail. Maybe you're currently failing. God never fails. God tells Moses in verse seven, or chapter seven, verse four, he says, you're gonna go to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh will not listen to you. But then I will lay my hand on Egypt. Uh, the, the NLT says, I will bring down my fist on Egypt and I will bring my people out of the land by great acts of judgment, i.e. the plagues. And if, you've ever, if you read through the Exodus story, the plagues are pretty brutal, aren't they? They're pretty intense. Like if you're reading this, you're like, whoa, God, that's a little too much. You wanna know who didn't think it was too much? The Israelites. They're like, God, it's about time. Where have you been? What's going on? We can't forget Pharaoh in Egypt are really, really, really bad people. Probably the worst people we have in scripture up to this point. They've been oppressing millions of Israelites. They're extremely corrupt. And Pharaoh made a decree to murder every Hebrew baby boy. Don't feel bad for this guy. He's a baby serial killer. And so God, with the plagues, he was freeing these Israelites, but he was also doing something more than that. Verse five, God says, I'm going to do all of this so that the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Remember how we talked about how Egypt had hundreds of gods? It's really interesting if you look at it as each plague was not only judgment on this evil empire, it was also God single-handedly defeating, dismantling, and humiliating the gods that the Egyptians worshiped. Osiris, he was one of Egypt's greatest gods. He was known as the god of the underworld. And it was said that his life, his actual life, it came from the Nile River. You know what the first plague was? God turned the Nile into what? into blood. It was basically like God just executed the Egyptians' greatest God and now the Nile runs red of his blood. Come on, that's some Rambo stuff right there. That's awesome. Hey, Thor and Nevis, the gods that protected the land and gave them food. Well, God infests the land and kills all the livestock. Where are the gods? Sekhmet and Serapis. They protected and prevented from diseases. 
But all of a sudden, all of the Egyptians have broke out into boils and they're infected. Sepket Serapis, where are you? Maybe you, you've heard of the Egyptian god Ra. You ever heard of that? A very famous god. Anyone know? The god of what? God of the sun. The ninth plague. God brings a darkness on the land that's darker than anything they've ever known. So dark you couldn't see right in front of your face. Ra was murdered. Lastly, because Pharaoh made that decree to kill all the, the male Israelite babies, the last plague was, was judgment on Pharaoh. Pharaoh himself. And the plague was that the firstborn of every Egyptian was killed. That got Pharaoh's attention. That woke Pharaoh up. See, Pharaoh started saying, hey, who's the Lord? Who's Yahweh? Who's the God of my insignificant slaves? And God says, I'll show you who I am. I'm the God that cares for my people. I'm the God who will not be mocked. I am the God who will go to extraordinary lengths to reach and save and love my people. I'm the God who never fails. It's easy for us to hear them. We're like, yeah, go God, right? Slay some gods, show your power. Egypt wasn't the only society to have false gods though, were they? Here's probably the most humbling, hardest part about these walls. A lot of these walls for us, they're false gods. And a lot of these walls, you want to know why you're stuck behind them? Here's, here's the hard part. It's because you like it. It's because you love it. It's because you don't want to move forward because you, you think this is better than Jesus. You think that this God will protect you. You think this God will take care of you. And so you stay stuck. You can't move forward because you're still worshiping a God called greed a God called Visa, a God, a God called Amazon Prime. You can't move forward because you're still worshiping your pride. You can't, you can't admit to get help. You can't move forward because in your relationship with Jesus because you're still hung up on the false God that's your boyfriend and you're sleeping together and you know you're not honoring God and you're just, you're stuck. Come on, we have false gods. But the good news I really believe this right now. I believe that God wants to slay some gods today. The God of lust, the God of greed, the God of envy, the God of substance abuse, the God of tax evasion, the God of adultery, the God of gossip, the, any God that is trying to keep you captive with empty promises and momentary pleasures. Look up here, they'll fail you. They'll fail you every time. You know this. The longer you're, you've been a follower of Jesus, you just, you're like, yes, I've seen it. I've tried it. It's, it doesn't work. They fail you. But our God will never fail, right? In fact, 2,000 years ago, they tried to kill our God. Do you remember that? Jesus came, came to earth. They beat him. They, they cursed him. They stripped him naked. They nailed him to a cross. By all human standards, he lost. He failed. He held, cheered. Satan threw a party. He thought he won. But our God never fails. And his temporary setback, it was actually Jesus taking every single one of your past, current, and future failures, and he was crucifying them on that cross. If you are a follower of Jesus, your failures do not have the last word. Jesus does. If Jesus has called you to walk through the wall, walk through it. 
This is how I wanna, I wanna bring everything together. I wanna ask you a question. We're gonna get really, really practical before we leave here. I don't want you to be like, oh, that was great. God doesn't fail. No, no, no. He doesn't fail for you. Ask yourself this, God, where have I failed? Ask God, God, where have I failed that you want me to try again? God, where have I failed that you want me to try again? Where am I stuck? Where have I failed? God, where do you want me to get up again and walk through this wall? This time, I'm going to embrace my weakness. I can't do it alone. I'm going to grab your hand and we're gonna walk through that together. We're gonna slay the gods that I'm putting my trust in because you're better. Ask God right now. We're gonna pray right now, Father. Father, slay, slay our false gods. Show us right now the stuff that we're putting our trust in and the pleasure that we think is better than following you. Help our hearts, help our minds, help, our, help this church believe that you are the one true God who never fails. God, I pray for anyone in who feels like their life has just been de defined by failures. Maybe in their marriage, maybe in their job, in their school, in the addiction. God, help them embrace their weakness. Help them run to you as their strength like never before. Lastly, if you're, if you're in here, and you've never asked Jesus to cover your failures. The reality is you're still a failure. You need Jesus. If you've never called on Jesus to save you from your sin and be your God, there's no better time right now to walk through the biggest wall you could ever walk through. If you want Jesus to be your God, ask him, confess and say, God, I have failed. I need you more than I ever thought possible. If that's you, if you recognize that, if the Holy Spirit's been saying, hey, this is you, you're not following me, you don't love me, you don't trust me, and you wanna change that today, can you just raise your hand as a commitment to God? Not to me, not to anyone else, this is just to you saying, hey, I'm following Jesus. I know that I'm a failure, I've seen it. God, I see that I'm trying to depend on my own strength. Yeah, I see those hands, that's great. Look, anymore, I wanna trust you, Father. Awesome, I see hands over there. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. And I, I love it, Pathways, that you all pray out loud together. And so we're gonna pray this together. Repeat after me, God, you're my God. You see me in all my failures. And yet you love me. You forgive me. You've chosen me for great things. I will walk forward in this life with Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, come on, can we, can we celebrate decisions made? <laughs> Following God.